Hi, I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for listening to this podcast. There are many more podcasts available at MyFaithRadio.com. Your support makes this possible. Thank you. And a warm welcome to the afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold, and thank you for joining me today. I hope hope you had a great weekend. I know I did, and I'm looking forward to the week. You know, I love Mondays. Uh, I hope you do, too. I'm going to get things started on a lighter note. I always enjoy talking to my friend and colleague from the great state of Iowa, Patrick Albanese, because we like looking at life on the lighter side. A merry heart is like good medicine. Jesus also said, in this world, you will have trouble, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. I sometimes wonder how how often are Christians characterized as people of good cheer? I know that's a translation, but I, I think it's important that we show uh, joy as we go out about our day. So, Patrick, welcome back to the show. Nice to have you on. Thanks. I've, I've got my banjo picks on. I'm ready. Oh, no, 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 no. We're, <laughs> I want to make people happy. So, no. Oh, you said joy. You said joy. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to attract listeners, not not drive them away. No, oh, I just, I like to wear the banjo picks. I don't have a banjo anymore. I just like to wear the, I've been, bu- I've been buried in so many home improvement projects uh-huh. that I haven't had time to practice the banjo. You know, I, I and it's, I'm, I've got so many of these projects. I don't know about you. One of my favorite parts of, you know, of any of these home improvement projects uh, is when you get, you get to that point where, you know, you kind of, you stand back and you look at, you know, your nearly completed project and you say, well, that's going to be the next homeowner's problem. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Hopefully, that's they won't, my favorite part. Hopefully, they won't discover this in the inspection. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, all right. Let's talk about here we are. Let's talk about yeah. balance today. Balance, just to, when it comes to men and women. I mean, look at look at from the beginning of time. Now, I want to let you lead with this uh, discussion because you brought it to my attention. Uh, yeah, it was, it was, I don't even know what, uh, it, it just came to my mind the other day. I said, you know, okay, so we start with Adam and Eve. That's a pretty good balance, right? It's a perfect balance. <laughs> That's perfect balance. You you don't get more evenly split than one of each. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but uh, I think, you know, since the beginning of time, somehow or another, there has managed to we've managed to maintain a nearly equal balance of male and female on the planet, no matter what happens. Like we, we go through wars. I, I think it was I, a, a statistic I read on World War II was 60 million people dead if you account for everything. Wow. Wow. But you just look at, you look at combat II. deaths. Yeah. yeah. You look at combat deaths uh, for, from all the wars from the beginning of time and it, predominantly men. I think I read in World War II there were about 500 women who died in some combat. They weren't in combat but because they weren't serving in combat then. But you're, so you're talking about hundreds of thousands of men, millions of men worldwide were dying. And yet the balance of male-female on the planet still managed to kind of equalize right around that 50% mark. You know, women used to uh, – Die during childbirth. It was it was not uncommon. 150 years ago, you know, somebody would say, "Well, uh, you know, th- this guy's been married a couple of times." And well, why? No, no, he's not divorced. His wife died in childbirth. Mm-hmm. I mean, that happened 
in, I, I'm just going to say this, that was predominantly happening to the women, right? Right. The, the, the childbirth thing. And yet again, you say, look, we still have this, this, this near perfect balance. And, and the idea hit me. I remember saying to my wife, I said, look at that, this perfect 50, 50. And she hit me with one of those actually things, you know, you actually, it's more like 51% women, 49% men. I said, you know, then it's even more amazing to me. Because God knew to compensate for however everything, how deaths were going to happen, that in order for mankind to continue, he needed a 51-49 mix. I said, that's even more amazing to me. <laughs> you know, uh -huh. it, it, and, and, and it's no matter what we've done over the years, and we're talking about thousands of years now, that balance still pretty much remains. Mm -hmm. It can fluctuate a little bit here and there, and then it just equalizes as if we know, hey, it's time to you know shore up the supply. <laughs> We're running low on women. Let's get some, and more baby girls are born, and vice versa. And you know, people like to talk about Mother Nature. I say, I don't think Mother Nature is that smart. Only God is that smart. Right. Only I, God knows what yeah. we need. I always find it amusing when people invoke Mother Nature. I think because yes. they don't know how to articulate the name of Jesus. So they say Mother Nature. Yeah, Mother Nature and, uh, you know, Father Time, right? Father, yeah. He, he, he got saddled with time. You know, uh, <laughs> mm -hmm. but, but both of them uh, apparently have tempers, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I just remember the, was it Mother Nature? It wasn't nice to fool Mother Nature because they had invented margarine, which was an improvement. <laughs> Remember that? It was yeah, an I do improvement remember that. Yeah. on butter. Yeah. yeah. It was, so it's just like, look at this. We've invented this thing that is an improvement on the natural order of things. Yes. And then and then Mother Nature got upset and she would make lightning bolts come down. She says, it's not nice to fool Mother Nature. Now, all these years later, we realize, oops, <laughs> actually, <laughs> turns out that she was correct. It was not nice to fool Mother Nature <laughs> because the natural thing was better for you than the hydrogenated oil mix thing that they came up with that was causing health problems. Mm -hmm. I heard, messed with the natural order. I heard a comedian say recently that, that he's, uh, he heard about a person that died of natural causes. He said, which, by the way, makes me reluctant to eat natural foods. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's get back to the number of men who died in World War II. Did you know that statistic? Do you know that number? I, well, so I I did look for that today because when I first thought of this idea, I said I I was curious as to how many men died in World War II, and mm -hmm. it was very hard to get it broken down uh, by gender. And then, unfortunately, you start to get into uh, I, I remember a number of years ago, I think it was Hillary Clinton said, you know, that uh, you know for all these wars, the women suffered more because they were losing their husbands and brothers and fathers. And I th I thought that was a very strange way to phrase it, I thought, well, well that guy died. <laughs> so, yes, he did leave behind somebody, but, uh, you know, it didn't work out so good for him either. Mm -hmm. um, and so you, you end up, unfortunately, going down the rabbit hole where people say, well, actually, the, the women suffered more, men suffered more. And if you're just trying to say, look, I'm not trying to find, I'm not trying to play the gender wars here. I just want a number. Uh, and so I couldn't get an exact number, but I, th I think it's safe to assume that predominantly up until recently men served in combat. And so when you have millions of casualties worldwide, 
in combat, I think it's safe to assume the majority of them were men. Mm -hmm. uh, all that to say that somehow or another, with that, even with that imbalance, we still end up with the fifty-one forty-nine mm -hmm. or whatever, whatever it may be. Your results may vary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but God. So how does yeah God just knows that? Yeah, He works it out perfectly. You know, when you read um, history and you you hear about people from two hundred years ago and. And they'll talk about having had 12 kids and, and four of them died in childbirth. And that mm. seemed to just be the way people talked. It was quite common that there, you would be losing children. Um, and then all of this, uh, mothers dying in childbirth as well. It was, boy, we've made remarkable strides in medicine in that department. Oh, yeah. My, my grandmother was one of 13, but seven made it out of childhood. Really? Flu epidemic. Wow. Excuse me a second. I got something caught in my throat. Well, I'm going to give you permission to uh, clear <laughs> that. And I think now is probably as good a time as any to take a short break. I'll be back with my friend and colleague from the great state of Iowa, Patrick Albanese. We're talking about God's perfect balance. Uh, he has a way of doing that. It's amazing. Uh, as you look over the course of history and you see the balance in men and women in the world. Well, maybe not everywhere in the world, but uh, we'll talk about that when we come back. Hi there and welcome. If you are a new listener, we want to officially welcome you with a free welcome packet gift. Request yours today at MyFaithRadio.com. What would you do with a brain if you had one? Do? Why, if I had a brain, I could... I could while away the hours, conferring with the flowers, consulting with the rain. And my head, I'd be scratching while my thoughts were busy hatching if I only had a brain. Welcome back to the show. Patrick Albanese is joining me. I got a, just got a text, Patrick, from a listener that was showing some statistics from World War II. This, I love those. This looks to be just the Battle of the Bulge, which was just okay. a battle. And there were uh, total killed uh, allies, 840,000, Axis, 500,000. Oh, my. It's just a lot of... A lot of death. Oh, wait. No, I'm sorry. That was strength. Total killed allies, 91,000. Axis, 91,000. Wow. Well, D-Day alone. Yeah. Uh, just, huh. Wow. Yeah. So, and uh, now I think. I mean, they, and, yeah. I was going to say, that's just a lot, a lot of, you know, <clears throat> these are people that were, you know, maybe single young men or married young men and maybe with some children, maybe without children and. You know, a uh, complete bloodline is ended. Yeah. Yeah. And when you look at what's going on in uh, Ukraine and the oh, number of deaths, oh, I have not seen the totals. Do you have any idea how many have died as a result of that conflict? I, I haven't got a clue. So here's, you know, you know, the old, uh, remember the old, you know, no news is good news. In this case, I think no news is bad news. You know, if you're, if they're not telling you, it might be worse than we think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think maybe because it could get quite discouraging. I think a lot of people would say that that's just it's unsustainable. You know, at some point in time, this is going to have to get worked out. I, you know, we're so blessed and so fortunate and we go about our lives and go about our days and we don't encounter conflict like this. Uh, we have, you know, young people that serve in the armed forces here that sometimes go to war. But for the most part, we're not dealing with, you know, invasion of our country where all of a sudden 
you know, you say, well, you might've had these plans. You were going to go to the movies, <laughs> you know, you're going to do all these things, but instead you're going to go fight on the front lines and a lot of you aren't going to make it. Yeah. And I, I, I just, I don't know how people cope with that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Now, if we look at the risk that uh, women ran, which was much higher of dying uh, during childbirth and thanks to the prenatal and, and the care the, those mm-hmm. have fallen to very low levels. But uh, today, women have lower mortality rates at every age. Men are three times as likely as women to die from injuries, unintentional yeah. uh, injuries, suicide or homicide. And uh, progress against those causes of death has been much slower than against other causes in the last 50 years. There's also evidence that men at all ages are less likely to seek medical care and less likely yes. to comply with medical instructions than are women. So women do yeah. what the doctor asks them to do, and men go, nah. No, no. Heart and, medication, and men are notorious, nah. Notorious for saying things like, I'm pretty sure I could make this jump. <laughs> 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 no, it's, it's, you know, my dad uh, was diagnosed with a, a cancer you know, around a Christmas one year. And I think it was, you know, I don't know how many warning signs there were, you know, it was not a topic I could talk to my mom lightly about. It was just a lot of years of pain for her to even think about. But, uh, I, the stories I recall were, gee, there shouldn't be blood there. And then <laughs> at that mm-hmm. point in time, you, you say, well, you've been ignoring your health. Mm-hmm. And I do know that my dad ignored you know, it, we definitely, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Sure. Um, you know, I, I, I find it humorous sometimes that even I will catch myself going down that road because, you know, it's like, well, if I go to the doctor, they might say that it's something bad <laughs> and that would be, and that would be bad. <laughs> did your, did your dad do one of those? Oh, you're not hurt. Like when you would fall and you go, but dad, the, the bone is sticking through the skin. It really does hurt. Yes, I, I absolutely. So there's an incident I remember, you know, how you something and I can, there are a few things I can visualize. Uh, there are a couple of things that happened on our staircase at, uh, at my home growing up that I remember a few things. And one of them was I had, uh, had a double hernia operation. So I think it was 10 and I get home from the hospital and I'm struggling to walk down the stairs and it's a lot of pain. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And my dad says, I don't see what the big deal is. I had a hernia. I don't know what, 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 you know, and he turns to my mom and goes, what's he complaining about? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I, I said, well, okay. I don't, maybe I'll just sleep on the couch. I don't know. Maybe I won't navigate the stairs. But uh, he couldn't quite understand. It's like, you know, it was sort of one of those walk it off things. Just, yeah. Don't, don't worry about it. Just go. Just mm-hmm. go. Like, I don't know. I've got some pretty deep cuts, Dad. Yeah. So another listener let me know that with China, their one-child rule, it's still oh, yes. 51 to 49%. How is that even possible? So, so that's amazing to me because predominantly they would eliminate girls because they didn't value them, correct? Wasn't that that's yep. kind of the... And yet they can't, they, can't, they can't get away from God's plan, can they? No, they can't. What? Still, with yeah. the one-child policy, they still managed to do that. Uh-huh. 
I mean, it still manages to work out that way. Mm-hmm. All right. They, uh, another listener. Mysteries of the world. I got another uh, contribution from a listener regarding Pearl Harbor. Do you know how many of the allies were killed at Pearl Harbor? I don't know if I'd be able to guess this one correctly. I would I would probably over over guess. 4000? Yeah, 4, you're 000? you're really close. Yeah. 3682. So, wow. Yeah. So, I've just, I do, yeah. I, do, I was going to ask about China and I'm fascinated to know that it's uh it's still the same. The same percentage. Boy, it's amazing God's handiwork in this world. Yeah. I mean, he he is determined that this species continues, isn't he? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, so we do the things that we do, and he says, never forget who's in charge here. Yeah. Never forget. I kind of love that. It's, it's, you know, I, I'm always looking for those reminders of how far-reaching God's brilliance is. You know, because when people say, well, I need to, I need to see some proof— and I, I loved, you know, you can say, okay, well, look at this beautiful flower. Look at how this works. Look at how that works. And, and all those things to me are proof uh, because I just can't see how this could just, you know, evolve out of the ocean, you know, <laughs> and, and then the primordial ooze, I believe it was, mm-hmm. which I had for dinner last night. <laughs> uh, yes. Mm-hmm. It did fail. It was, yeah. it was a stew. It just didn't make it quite right. I love the uh, passage in Psalm 115 in verse 3. It says, our God is in heaven. He does whatever pleases him. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's, you know, and I think we were, we had been talking about, you know, like part of that balance uh, on an evolutionary scale you know, because the people that like to believe in evolution, you say, well, you know, what other things come about? You know, the problem with evolution was always, it doesn't quite cut it for me. It can explain some things. And and for me, it was always easy to say, well, that could easily just be God's directed way of making these things happen. But it was always, you know, how did the the, the physical body develop the way it did to to do these things? And we were talking about a sense of humor, because uh, to what purpose is a sense of humor? You know, it's an adaptation thing. It helps us adapt. It allows us to be resilient. Animals don't have humor, they except, have the, no except the hyena. They laugh at stuff. Well, we have no idea what they're laughing at. Though. We have no <laughs> idea. <laughs> no, I test out a lot of new material on them. <laughs> Let me guess. It all worked. It, every, every, every bit worked. I, I I feel like I got duped though, because when I tried it in front of people, they didn't work. So. Well, you went with an easy crowd. I, I did. <laughs> I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you know, but you know, for evolution, they would say, well, you know, we developed two arms because we needed two arms to do this and this, you know, the the symmetry thing, whatever. You you, you can come up with all the stories of how the eyeball developed and why it developed. But you'd say, what purpose for an animal would a sense of humor serve? Zip. Mm-hmm. And yet we as human beings, we have awareness and you think, well, boy, talk about an unusual fluke because why would an awareness evolve? And then a sense of humor and some of the other things. And then even a universal understanding, like, isn't it funny how you could hear a song you've never heard before and suddenly can predict how it goes? And you say, are songs that predictable? There's billions of songs. 
or is it that human beings are wired a certain way? We're all built in such the same way that we understand this language. Mm-hmm. There's no evolutionary need for that, is there? No. Just an appreciation of beauty? Yeah. But no other animal has it. That's right. I mean, my dog has a little bit of it if I put some fresh meat in the bowl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Seneca Bice says, that's beautiful. I don't, <laughs> Patrick, I had a listener comment on the fact that, glad that we brought up Mother Nature. Apparently that goes back to... Uh, Greek transcripts from 12 or 13 BC, the idea of of, of the earth is translated as a, a mother Gaia or something. I, I'm just trying Gaia, to... Gaia, yes. Gaia, yeah. yeah. And, but I, I go to, I go to the, the force that controls nature, which God made the heaven and earth by his power. And, and he founded the world by his wisdom and stretched out the heavens by his understanding. So that's, that's the reference I always make. I never say mother nature. No, 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 Mother Nature. And, and besides, you know, it's funny, I've, I saw a video recently and they've finally found a way to dug, dig down to some even deeper ice cores and they found more fluctuations in temperature. And you say, you know, for us to pretend, because we think we're so smart, that we understand how God put this all together mm-hmm. and we understand how it all works and that to think that we control a lot more of it than we do. Uh, it's kind of the height of arrogance. Yeah. It's, and I think it goes back to Garden of Eden. We want to be smarter than God. I know. I've got a nice co- uh, contributor today on bringing me up to speed on uh, casualties in World War II. I've got another one. Um, it's interesting how there would be uh, 91,200 deaths from allies and 91,132 from the Axis. So, I mean, there's... that's. <laughs> You can do the math better than me, but that's not a lot of difference no. in, a, in, a, in a battle that size. It's amazing. Yes. Yet God maintains this balance and always has through history and time. It's phenomenal. I just... Uh, it is pretty phenomenal. I love that God is so in control and always will be. Our God is in heaven. He does whatever pleases him. He is... Uh, we are not accountable. Um, we are accountable to him. He's not accountable to us. Yeah. I, I had to make sure that came out right. Yeah, they do. This good. I could have and, messed and, that and up big time. You know, it's why on the cross Jesus is basically saying, "Not my will, right, but Thy will." <laughs> you know, which I often say that, and which is followed up by, "Not my will, but Yours." Please be gentle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, Patrick. Thanks for getting the day started. Always good to talk, and I look forward to uh, chatting with you next week. Sounds great. See you All right. Then. Yep. Have a great day. Patrick Albanese has been my first guest, and I usually have him every week to start off the Monday because I like to start. Things on a lighter note, especially if you're just getting into your week, and we've got a lot planned for this week, a lot of great Bible study and a lot of great fellowship and time together. I can't wait. I hope we can spend a lot of time together. If you missed any of the show ever, go to MyFaithRadio.com. Check out the podcast because they're great. You can pick out what interview or what topic interests you, and you can listen to it from start to finish. All right. We come back. We're going to have the Monday afternoon mix. Pastor David Miles and Rosie B. That's the team. Be right back.
That's nice and smooth to get things started on the Monday afternoon mix. Always glad to have the team with me, Pastor David Miles and Rosie B. We had a lovely time getting into Psalm 103 last week, and we only got about five verses. So I'm going to highly recommend that we continue down the road of studying more of that beautiful Psalm 103, which I have memorized, and I probably say it in my head every day. Because uh, it's awesome. David, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Well, we're doing good. You sound like you're not in the studio right now, because you're not. <laughs> I'm not in the studio, so so how, how are things going there? Well, they're, they're going great. We're going to actually try to improve your sound quality by switching you over to uh, a Zoom call, which may or may not work. But uh, we do want to go back into the beautiful uh, Psalm 103 uh, last time we covered the first five verses, which I thought was a job well done, and it was very satisfying to go through those verses because of how powerful they are. Yeah, though they're super powerful, and like this psalm that David, uh, you know, gives, it's in some ways, um, you know, it's in a period of time where he's not experienced like being chased by Saul and things like that. And um, but he attributes and talks about who God is, and he spends time talking about God's attributes and His qualities. And then what we looked at last week, His actions. And so we see this beautiful thing that He forgives sin in one through three. He heals diseases in verse three. He protects from death. He satisfies. He gives strength. And you know, just these very beautiful, encouraging, rich things of a of a good heavenly Father. Mm-hmm. And I love when we get down now to verse 6, and I've been thinking about this verse for the last couple of years. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. Boy, there's no one more concerned about the righteousness and justice for all the oppressed than the Lord God. Yeah, you're right on that. I mean, like, one of the things we have to understand um, you know, about Scripture is that, you know, <clears throat> God's not a, is not phobic to justice. No. And actually, one of the things that you'll see in Scripture often is the partnering of these words of righteousness and justice being together. And right. so, like, justice is not a swear word, you know, and the idea that God is actually doing justice for the oppressed and actually looking at society, we need to reclaim what it means for justice to look like towards people, and when we talk about people, we talk about sociological. And so, you know, and we're looking at individuals and groups, and somehow we've allowed the world to kind of hijack that type of thought of what it is. And like Christians, sometimes we, we've kind of abandoned that. So God is deeply concerned about oppression. Yeah. You know, he's, he's, because it's dealing with his image bearers, those people that he made in his image and sent his only son to shed his eternal blood for. Yeah. I'm going to have you repeat that thought only because it's so powerful, and that is God is uh, committed to his righteousness and justice for all the oppressed because they are his image bearers. Yes, it's because they are his image bearers. Um, and, like, God's not phobic to this. I mean, like, he's not saying, like, oh, my goodness, people are talking about justice. No, God is very much concerned, though, about justice. He does it slightly different. Mm-hmm. So, Romans 3, it says that all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. And then later on, down in the verse, in verse 25, 
it makes this very beautiful um, proclamation um, of just like how God looks at things. And he says, um, you know, it says, God put forward his son as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. And listen to this. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the ones that have faith in Jesus. So, like, God doesn't, like, just sweep our stuff on the rug and say, oh, you know, it's, it's okay. No, he's like, listen, the Bible says that the soul that sins will die. And, and God's like, yeah, that's true. Like, sin, the wages of sin is death. But then Jesus is like, you know what, but I'll take that on to myself, and I'll be the justifier. And so, you know, we, we need God's righteousness, but it required um, justice as God sees it. And so, you know, an interesting thing though is this. Um, sometimes we can believe, like, justice is not needed for certain people and groups. You know, we can say, like, okay, well, this person, well, they got their just deserved, and they kind of deserve this, and, you know, what is it regarding refugees or, like, immigration? But an interesting thing that happens is, is when something relates to us personally, we're actually intimately concerned about justice. Yeah. And if something happens to the people that we know and love, then we're not like, yeah, no big deal. We're kind of like, no, like, if there's a wrong that's happened here, we're actually going to see that the right thing is done. And so it's remembering that we're connected to one another because it's God's creation and humanity. And it's God's image bearers that he's calling us to live out the, the law of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. What? And God keeps his promises. And I'll say that every, every day I, ha- I can on, on the radio is say he does. He keeps his promises, and I know he loves taking burdens and lifting burdens from people who are oppressed. And he's imme- immeasurably impatient, compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, and like it says in verse 8, abounding in love. How sweet is that? That it's not even just like, you know, he's kind of tiptoeing. Like, he's abounding. You know, there's this, this almost like largesse of, of God's love. <clears throat> mm-hmm. All right, let's move on, David, if we can. I love uh, verse uh, 8. I want to say that again. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. Verse 9, he will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. Our sin uh, is a very serious concern. Uh, It should be in our life. We should not treat it casually. No, and one of the things is that, like, words um, didn't matter, and so sometimes we've kind of we've kind of, like, downplayed the, what I would say the deeply fractious nature of sin. Like when sin entered into the world, like it was more of a just, it wasn't just kind of like a slight thing, like, oh, we eat fruit <laughs> and we disobey. I mean, like this is like very deeply, you know, rupturing and, 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 and understanding like that powerful thing of sin. And I mean, like the really neat thing and the very merciful thing about God is that, like Galatians 6 says, God's not mocked. 
do not be deceived. For whatever a man sows, that he will reap. Mm-hmm. It's a picture like if, if you plant tomato seeds, you're going to get tomato plants. Right. If you plant, if you plant wheat, you're not getting asparagus. Okay. Like, so like there's this thing and, and it's a reminder to us because sometimes we think like, it's not really sin. It's just kind of like an idiosyncrasy. Mm-hmm. But there's some things that we're doing that we're, we're rebelling against the heart of God. And we're actually, you know, you know that old picture back in Campus Crusade where we're like kicking God off the throne and saying, I want to be in charge of my own life. Um, and so like God's not mocked. And yet in this passage, we're seeing, you know, that he is merciful and he's gracious he doesn't keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins. I mean, like, praise God that God does not do us how we do one another. Mm-hmm. And maybe we might not necessarily do it outwardly, but, like, sometimes in our minds, what we think of doing, how we think about responding. You know, um, I'll tell my students sometimes, you know, the reminder to let Christ control your life so that, in a traffic situation, but you don't give the peace sign minus one finger. Like, mm-hmm. one, but that, that flesh part, and it's amazing that we have to stop, like, like because we think sin's kind of a small thing. Yeah. God is perfectly holy, like holy, pure, like uh, Scripture says, He's holy, 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 the superlative third, mm-hmm. and pure. I mean, like, without, like, in ways that we can't even understand. Yeah. David and, and yet he doesn't treat us the way we deserve. Yeah. David and Rosie, I recently saw a, a number of uh, euphemisms for sin, mm-hmm. uh, and these showed up at mega church pulpits, and they were moral failure, mistake, flaw, error, problem, indiscretion, oversight, or shortcoming. Mm. We just can't seem to call it sin, can we? No, it's really hard. Yeah. Really hard. All right, we're going to take a little break and try to get a slightly better connection with uh, Pastor David Miles. And you're listening to the Monday Afternoon Mix. I'm so glad you joined me. We're still uh, working our way through Psalm 103. Uh, What a beautiful psalm. I love it, and I hope you do too. We'll be right back. Start each week with a moment of reflection and prayer with the Faith Radio Prayer Devotional email. Sign up today at MyFaithRadio.com. All right, we're back with the Monday Afternoon Mix. Pastor David Miles and Rosie B. We're studying Psalm 103, one of my favorite psalms. Hopefully you love it too. I know Rosie loves it. David loves it. And right before we went to break, we were talking about things like, in verse 8, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. And then in verse 10, it says, he does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. And we were just chatting a little bit about euphemisms that show up in conversation. Things like slip up, misstep, 
blunder, foible, misguided, lapse in judgment. I don't know if these terms fool anybody. I think we should just say sin like the Bible says sin. Well, and why is that word so difficult? Um, it, it just, it, you know, it, we just don't like to feel like we are not perfect or whole or that we have downside. I, yeah, well, let, let's let the pastor answer that yeah. one. David, well, what's your thoughts on that? So one of the things that comes up with this, and this is something like I've been trained in as an, like an intercultural intelligence um, practitioner, and and that there's three colors of worldview. There's an innocence, guilt, culture, mindset, an honor, shame, and a power of fear. Okay. Now we have all of these makeups within us, but in the West, we kind of lean a little bit more towards innocence, guilt. And innocence, guilt is about rules, like wanting to know what the rules are, not breaking them, like we'll write out long legal contracts. In an honor-shame culture, it's about relationships. It's about belonging. And so, you know, years ago when there was a Virginia Tech shooting and people were surprised that the head of one of the major companies in South Korea had actually issued an apology to the global world on behalf of that student's action. Well, in an innocence, guilt, we're like, well, I didn't do anything wrong. But that individual in their minds have brought shame upon their, their people because there's a big thing about honor. And then power fear. So moving towards power or moving away from power. So in kind of our culture leaning, you know, there can be this thing to really want to avoid any sort of what we might consider um, guilt or wrong or blame or anything like that. And so we begin then to kind of soften our language. Mm -hmm. um, I guess in a way you can almost say, if you go back to being, you know, middle schoolers and teenagers, where you don't exactly tell your parents the direct thing, you kind of say, well, yeah, I kind of did. And so we kind of end up doing that with God, where we, we want to kind of like soften things and, uh, and we start changing words. And so like the Bible speaks about adultery, we call it an affair. Mm -hmm. so it almost like makes it sound like it's a party. You know, um, <laughs> you know, some would say it's homosexuality. Today it's called gay. Again, mm -hmm. makes it sound like it's a party. And so there's these ways in which um, we kind of start to morph language and we try to kind of navigate around the things that God says and even just like his law of love and his standard where he says, like when we did the Sermon on the Mount and Jesus said, be perfect like my father in heaven is perfect. You know, that's the standard. It's it's not me against Bill or comparing myself to, it's comparing ourselves to a holy and righteous God. And we all fall short and we're all in need of Jesus's righteousness mm. that God made him who had no sin to become sin for us, Second Corinthians 5.21, so that we might, become the righteousness of God. Mm -hmm. mm. And if you study... So we fight against the whole guilt thing. Yeah. And David, Rosie, when we study scripture, we see words like sin, iniquity, uh, transgression, disobedience, evil doing. Mm -hmm. We're not, you know, we're not using any of these soft pedal... We don't see any of these soft pedal words in scripture. You don't see hiccup. <laughs> <laughs> no. Or misstep. No. Well, and I think scripture is also very clear in talking about where sin comes from. You know, we put on the righteousness of God and and sin comes from an impure motive within our heart. 
you know, the scriptures also talk about, you know, where the heart, where your heart condition is, is very important to God. And so, you know, and who comes through our heart, but, but by God, right? Like otherwise we, everything we would do would have wrong motive. It is only God living inside us and his righteousness that allows us to, you know, make any choices that are honoring to him. Mm. And it says in Psalm 103 that he removes our transgressions uh, as far as the east is from the west. He, he's not removing our missteps or, or our hiccups as far as the east is from the west, but no. he's re, he has removed our transgressions from us. Mm. So let's call it what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Like very much so calling it what it, what it is, you know. And so in First Samuel chapter 15, when Saul actually rebels against God's command and Samuel comes and talks to him and he basically, he ends up, you know, not sacrificing the sheep. He tells Samuel, Hey, I was going to give a big church offering. And then finally comes out that he basically disobeyed because he feared the people. And Samuel would say to him, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. Meaning like God's more concerned about your obedience in love, Mm -hmm. not as a dictator, but also because obedience to him is ultimately for our good as the creator who has the owner manual on our life and ultimately knows what's best for us. So to obey is better than sacrifice, listen more than the fatter rams, like even giving giving all this stuff. For rebellion is as the sin of divination in the ESV, but it's almost like rebellion is like the sin of witchcraft. And presumption presumption is as iniquity and idolatry. And so like, those are words like you, we don't often hear said from a pulpit. Like we're kind of like, yeah, you kind of brush God off. Like, no, that's not a major thing because the brushing off of God or that high-handed sin is actually what happened in the garden. The Lord in love said, you have all of this stuff given richly to you. And here's the one, you know, exception. And they kind of we brushed off God and we said, no, I'm going to have my way. And so I think for the person today where, you know, the Lord is speaking to your heart. The Lord has actually been tapping you on the shoulder in a very loving way and saying, like, I'm really encouraging you to turn from that action, to turn from that sin, um, to turn from holding, you know, to go to Lord of the Rings, turn holding the ring like Gollum and saying, precious, precious, precious. And God is like, you know what, for your own good and for um, my glory that leads to the furtherance of your good, um, this is not just an idiosyncrasy. Like, this is rebellion in our heart. And and that that ups the stakes of, of what this is, where it's not just kind of like this function. Mm-hmm. And David, Rosie, we're not doing ourselves uh, any good by soft pedaling in our conversations that we're having Mm-mm. with each other or with even an unsaved person. I, and I think that's the Achilles heel of overloving. You know, that we feel like, oh, we're over, you know, we don't want to hurt somebody's feelings. We don't want to um, cause a rift in a family or whatever the scenario might be. That's really it's an overlove and it's not loving at all. And I think we have a lot of that in our world today. You know, say this because this is what the person wants to hear when it's so far from truth and it, that's not love. 
that's, you know, that's leading somebody further down a path that they shouldn't be going down. But yet it's very difficult because the world is saying, no, you have to love everybody. Everything's okay. And it's not, not, not by the word of God. It's not, David, I've got a question for you. I'm going to put you on the spot. And the question okay. is, because it's often, they're often, these two words are often together and they're together in Psalm 51 as well. And so if you don't know this, we can save this question for guy talk, but um, sin and iniquity are often in this, you know, held together. One line is sin, one line is iniquity. What's the difference between the two? Oh, I'm having a moment here. And so like sin, like sin has in mind, like missing the mark. And I think like iniquity is actually like, you know, like this almost like high handed act towards God. Okay. So like when we would talk about sin, it's like March Madness. If a person shoots 100 basketball free throws and they miss none of them, they're, they're 100% perfect. You know, but if they miss one, they're not perfect anymore. And so this this idea of missing the mark, and I don't know if we want to put it in the area of like sins of commission and omission, those things that we ought to do that we don't, but then also those things that we do, like we know we shouldn't do that and we do that. And so you, another word that you'll see is um, iniquity. You also see transgressions. And mm-hmm. I might I might stop there until I can actually give a, a more adequate look at it. But that's what's coming to my mind right now. And some of the differences between between um, about sin. And so, like, Rosie, you bring up something really important. I think we should look into this and come back to it because it's a huge part of the gospel message and what what Jesus came to die for sinners, Mm -hmm. you know, um, 1 Timothy 1, 15, and Paul said, of whom I'm the worst. But here's a limitation thing. Number one, words are really important, which is why so much goes into changing the language and redefining things. But we have a, we have kind of a, um, we kind of have truncated language in the English because for example, in the word love, so people are like, you need to love me. Well, well, in Greek, there's like four to five different words for love. You know, there's storgia love, which is a friendship love, you know, a friendship affection love. There's Philadelphia, which is a brotherly love. There's eros, which is an erotic love. And there's agape love, which is an unconditional love. And so in our language, we'll say, hey, you know what? I love Snickers. I love biking. I love my wife. I love my mom. I like my dog. You know, I love my job. And if you break it down, we don't love all those things the same way. Mm-hmm. And in the same way, God actually gives a richer texture to saying like, it, there's sin, but they actually go through more than just like one way like sin, but actually looking at the various ways in which sin in God's eyes, that's the important point, not in our eyes, but in God's eyes, what that looks like would be in sin, iniquity, transgression, rebellion, those types of things. And so the, the biblical language kind of fleshes that out a little bit more. And, um, you know, it doesn't allow a generalization, which kind of brings us full sec- circle back to the issue about justice. Because mm-hmm. sometimes when we want to talk about justice, it's just not like a generalized, like, oh, yeah, that happened. It gets to a specific issue to be addressed, you know? Mm-hmm. And so sometimes people will say, you know what? Well, everybody makes mistakes. 
And that's our way in an innocent guilt culture of trying to just kind of spread things out. Like everyone makes mistakes because we want to generalize it. But God gets really specific about what sin is. And he also gets very specific, praise God, of what love looks like. So... No, that's very. Does that help at all, Rosie? It does. It, it helps because I'm also going to take what you've just taught and go on a little bunny trail myself and look into it. Because when I see those two words together, and this is such the prompt of how the Holy Spirit works with us in Scripture, is you get a prompt to delve and go further. There's more there than potentially that we typically will give credit to. So I think I'm going to do a little nosedive into those words. It's great. Yeah, and I so affirm what you said about being the men and women of Berea. So, guys, even as we're listening to our listening family, like this is kind of like my remembrance of what that is. And I want to delve more into it as well. But this is an invitation for you as well to get into your word and begin to like speak that out. Go into your Bible. Go to the back of your concordance, look up transgression, sin, mm-hmm. uh, iniquity, and then go through the Bible and look at the ways that God uses it and the things that he's speaking to about it and begin and then say, okay, Lord, does any of this speak to me? Not yeah. because like, you know, we're pond scum, but God, when he, he sparks back, he seeks to set us free. Awesome. David, thank you so much. Look forward to next time. Have a great rest of the day. Thank uh, you, God you bless bet. You. God bless you. We'll take a break. We come back. Dr. Marcus Bachman's going to join us. We're going to continue our discussion. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at myfaithradio.com.